just really engage people. And what this has done is it's demonstrated to staff how easy it is to have conversations with people, as well as built that compassion and empathy, which creates a more safe and inclusive space. And then for the customers, I've had many of them say to me, thank you so much for doing this. I didn't know we were actually welcome here. We just thought we were kind of coming in and and being because it's the only place we can be sometimes, but we actually now know you want us here. And that is such a powerful statement. Hello, and welcome to FYI, the Public Library's podcast. I'm Kathleen Hughes, Manager of Publications for the Public Library Association. Today, our guest is Alyssa Hardy. Alyssa is a licensed clinical social worker and community resource manager at the Denver Public Library. This episode is brought to you by Unique Management Services. Unique is the worldwide leader in material recovery and patron communication solutions for public libraries, with a proven track record of professional and effective communication with library patrons. Sign up for your no-risk live chat trial today at uniquelibrary.com. Are the communication options on your website clunky and confined to library hours? Limited patron access and creating stress for your staff in the form of phone calls, email, and voicemail. Unique fully managed live chat coverage makes virtual services snap for online patrons, providing easier access and reducing phone and email traffic. Turn your website into a true virtual branch with Unique Chat. Sign up for your no-risk trial today at uniquelibrary.com. That's uniquelibrary.com. Unique Patron Service Solutions. Virtual service solved. As many of our listeners know, serving patrons experiencing homelessness can be a challenge for public libraries. We wanted to get a social worker's perspective on the best methods for providing services that will meet the complex needs of this group. Welcome, Alyssa. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? When did you start working at the Denver Public Library? So I've worked in homeless services for the past 13 years, actually. Uh, When I first moved to Denver, Colorado in 2005, I worked for the Colorado Coalition for the Homeless and managed their and directed their Housing First programs. And I'm also an adjunct at the Graduate School of Social Work at DU, so that brings uh, some more trauma expertise into my realm. And I started working at the Denver Public Library as a community resource specialist three years ago, and I am now the community resource manager and have a team of seven more people doing this work. Why did the library feel the need to bring on social workers? We had a group of very passionate librarians and library staff recognizing that uh, the library wasn't serving that population in the best way that they that is felt we could be serving them. You know, when people are experiencing homelessness, there are a lot of other issues that might come along with that, such as having a lot of your items with you because you don't have a place to store them, um, along with um, there, there might be some mental health issues, there might be some other things going on, and, and really what those issues, um, when they would present at the library, they really were defaulted to the security team, which did the best they could, but that usually meant that that person had to leave for the day, and or you know, 911 would be called, or police would be called uh, to deal with those kinds of kinds of things when we know they're just really human issues. And so that group of librarians came together and formed a task force that led to them doing some research on the topic and recognizing that San Francisco Public Library had hired a social worker and then asked the city if if they could do the same thing. And, And the city said, you've got two years to give this a shot. And that's when I came on board. And within the year, my job was made permanent. And we added a second social worker at that time. So there's a total of two. Do you 
rotate throughout the branches or? We actually now have a total of four social workers as of the beginning of 2018. One of those social workers on the team works in the downtown branches, mostly our central location, which is our biggest building and closest to all of the other like homeless services. And then uh, the other two social workers are at the branches, importing this population as well as other populations, not just those who find themselves unhoused. So we do our best to support everyone in our community. Could you walk us through a typical day at the library for a social worker? It's funny, when I worked in uh, the Housing First program, I used to make the joke that we would make a plan at the beginning of the morning and and we might as well have done it on an Etch-A-Sketch because as soon as the, the day started, we would just erase that because we never knew what was really going to happen. <laughs> and it's kind of the same thing at the library. You know, every day is different, kind of depends on, you know, the weather and what's going on when it's colder out um, here in Denver or if it's been raining a lot, like we've had a lot of spring rains recently, things like that. People are looking to access indoors. And so we're a lot more busy. And then there are some days when the weather is really beautiful and we're not, not as busy. So it just kind of depends on that. In addition to our social workers have four peer navigators who work on our team. Those are people living in recovery uh, from different experiences, including homelessness, mental health diagnoses, and substance use issues. They hold drop-in hours every day at our central location and at a few of our branches once a month. So people can drop in and ask for help uh, with anything. We help with whatever people need help with. And um, in addition to that, we do a lot of outreach through the building, checking in with people, offering a pair of socks, a water bottle, and and conversation and a smile Uh, because a lot of people feel invisible in our society and and if we can help them be visible and acknowledged in the library, we're doing something great. Oftentimes that can lead to a conversation and engagement and building relationship to help that person work towards their goals. We also do a lot of training for staff and and, uh, we're really involved in a lot of the community work being done around these issues as well. Do the social workers see the patrons as clients that they are helping towards goals, do they meet with them regularly? We don't call them clients. We we continue to call them library customers. We want to keep that consistent. You know, we are not doing clinical work in the library. What we are doing, though, is really supporting people in achieving those goals. And, and so for some people, that might be one conversation, and here you go, here's a, here's a bus ticket, and here's Uh, how you get there, and here's who you'll talk to. And we really try to get out and see what those agencies look like physically as well. So we're like, this is where the front desk is. This is who you talk to. So we can lay that out for the person and help it be a little bit less intimidating. But for some other folks, we know that uh, people experiencing homelessness have also experienced a lot of trauma. Um, Many times that is before they um, experience homelessness, oftentimes in childhood, and then also on the streets. It can be it can be hard out there, and trust is a, is is an issue that comes up. And it's when you've been traumatized and and you know you've learned that it's hard to trust other people. Uh, it takes some time to build that and to build relationship. And a lot of times people will come in and ask for one thing. For example, do you have a pair of shoes? My shoes are worn out or something like that. And that conversation, it might be ongoing over, you know, days, weeks, months, leading to, hey, these are my goals. I'd really like to get into housing and I'd really like to reconnect with my family. Well, we don't necessarily consider them clients. We are building those relationships and it's from those relationships and engagement where healing begins and where we can help people start to realize 
their goals. Some people come in every day. Some people also work. There are many people who are experiencing homelessness that have jobs. And so they come in on their days off or when they get off their shift to come in and continue to work on what they want to achieve. So have patrons and staff come to rely on the social worker's presence? Yes, to an extent. We're just adding those two new social workers to cover the branches. We still, the branches are still kind of doing what they can because we couldn't cover the whole system uh, for the past three years because we didn't have enough staff. But now we can do that better. However, within the central library and downtown branches, especially those branches that do see people uh, more often who might be experiencing homelessness, call upon us a lot, which is exactly what we want to happen. We also carry security radios along with the security team at the central location. So when we hear a call come across that security is responding to, we can also respond to that if we feel like it's something that we should be involved in. Because honestly, if you're having a security situation, there's probably a, a human aspect to this, a social need. So we can jump in and help support that that process. We can come into that with a non-uniformed, calm approach and presence and de-escalate a situation sometimes a lot more quickly than security would be able to just because they're wearing a uniform and help keep that person in the library that day and not being asked to leave and help them achieve some goals, which is probably what's what's causing the tension in the first place is, is feeling like you know, some hopelessness and helplessness. You know, I was a little short-staffed this week on Monday, and I had a lot of people banging on my door wanting, you know, needing that support because they were used to someone always being there. And uh, I really recognized how great the need is. We're really helping people get plugged into whatever they need throughout the community. You mentioned earlier that you do staff training. Can you tell us a little bit about what, what kind of training you provide for staff? First of all, we provide some training on trauma-informed systems of care and resiliency. And basically what that does is it helps explain um, how trauma affects our lives uh, because uh, we know that trauma underlies many of our social issues and is along with systems failure in our country. People don't go into the working into the library knowing about the human aspects of things. So that's where we can come in and bring that education and talk about trauma and how that affects mental health and how that affects housing status and, and the criminal justice system and all of those things. And what we're doing with that is also um, helping to increase compassion and empathy towards populations that are experiencing adverse life, life challenges. You know, if you don't understand that this is where that what this person has experienced, it's hard to understand why why they're finding themselves in this situation and can't get out of it. We also do homeless 101 training where we talk about what it's like to experience homelessness, why it's difficult to to get out of that. In addition to how you know trauma affects us as service workers in the face working in the face of trauma and homelessness and all of these issues every day and how we can take care of ourselves. When we start to feel burnt out when we're working in the in these environments is when we start to have some resentment towards the population we're serving, which doesn't build good relationships, which then, you know, in turn doesn't doesn't result in, you know, some compassion and empathy. So we really try to help people learn how to take care of themselves and build resiliency in this and recognize the resiliency, the amazing resiliency of the people that we serve so that we can continue to come to our work every day with passion and be able to ripple that out into our library and into our community, and which helps, again, build those relationships and helps people move towards their goals and staff 
staff and, and customers. We have a shared Google Drive throughout our system where my team puts in different social service resources and, and different things that people might be asking about. So the library staff, if someone asks them a question, they can go in there and find the resource and offer it to the person. For some people, that works perfectly. That works, that works great. For others, as we kind of talked about a little bit ago, it takes some more engagement and some more time and relationship building. And that's where our team jumps in to, to do more of that. We can hand people a phone number, but it, they've been told no so many times, or it's really scary. And there's a lot of shame around asking for help. So if we can help be with someone and walk through that process, it actually makes it go a little bit more smoothly. What do you see as the strongest need among library patrons experiencing homelessness? People feel really invisible, and we all have that need to be seen. And so I think that saying hello, getting to know people's names when they walk in the door, like, hey, Joe, how are you doing today? Here's the newspaper you like. You know, whatever that is, is so huge. With that, we're talking about inclusive spaces. The reason libraries are facing these issues and why this is such a hot topic about homelessness in libraries is because our society doesn't allow people who are unhoused to be in many public spaces. And that even includes a lot of social service settings. You have to have an appointment to come in or you have to be waiting to see someone. You can't just be. And in libraries, we're open and it's free and equal access for everybody. And we're that space where people can be. So how can we work more creating more of those inclusive environments? The public library is owned by the public. That's, that's their space. Space, but people who are unhoused often feel like they're just kind of, you know, there. So I think that that's something that we can we can work on is in have those conversations with people on how do we help you feel like you also own the space because you're the public and it's your space. Another thing that we need to talk about more is the answer to homelessness is not more shelters; it's housing. <laughs> if you think about it, homeless. The opposite of that is home. Cities have to look at more affordable housing options, uh, the ability for people to get into those, understanding landlords if people have a background check because there are a lot of policies and laws in communities that criminalize just living outside. And so people end up with a with a background check just for existing. And uh, so we need landlords to be a little bit more understanding of that as we look at housing. How can we look at eliminating some of those policies and laws or adjusting them to stop criminalizing people for experiencing poverty and homelessness? So what is one thing you could recommend that a library could do today to improve services to this population? Say for a library that doesn't have the benefit of a social worker. I do recognize that in Denver, we are really lucky. <laughs> we have the ability to build this amazing social work and peer program. And I know that not every library has that opportunity. And it's really important to look at how staff can be trained on how to create inclusive space and uh, understand trauma and understand homelessness and the other issues that people experience in our society by bringing in trainers from agencies um, within their communities. Because every community is also different. You know, it depends on the size of your community. It depends on where you are. Are you in the mountains? Are you by a, by a coast? Are you, you know, in the landlocked in the middle of the country? You know, all of those those things are factors in what our community is 
face with these challenges. So those agencies within those communities know what those those factors are and can come in and talk to the staff about that. And these are what resources are available. This is who you can call or you the number you can give someone to call when when these questions arise. Um, so reaching out to those social service and, and homeless agencies. Before I worked in the library and I worked in the Housing First program, I was out in the streets doing outreach and housing people and meeting them in their homes. I would sometimes outreach my clients that were spending time in the library I would because I knew they spent time there. But I did not know just by coming in and meeting with that person, that did not bring the awareness for me to see what exactly libraries are dealing with. I had no idea. So I, I guarantee that your agencies in your communities might not have this understanding either. And so inviting them in, offering your meeting space for for those agencies to come in and have meetings and then talking to them do about what, what's going on in the library and doing a tour so they can kind of get an idea of the landscape and what's going on in there. We copy this after Dallas Public Library's Coffee and, and Conversations Group. We, we call it Coffee Connections. So once a month, we do free coffee and donuts for anyone who comes in. We actually have a lot of people who now um, ask us every day, when are donuts happening again? <laughs> How we set it up is we have our different programs and staff within the library. For example, one month security hosted it, another month our administration hosted it, another month books and borrowing hosted it, another month children's librarians where they host this and um, they hand out coffee and and donuts and have conversations with the people coming in. Our peer navigators are also there to help those conversations move along. You know, a lot of I've been asked by a lot of staff, how do I talk to someone experiencing homelessness? I don't know what to say. And it's just a matter of like, wait a minute, they're not just a person experiencing homelessness. They're a human having all of these other experiences too. Let's talk about all of those. Chances are they're probably also reading a book that you may not know something about. You can have those conversations and do some arts and crafts in there and just really engage people. And what this has done is it's demonstrated to staff how easy it is to have conversations with people as well as built that compassion and empathy, which creates a more safe and and inclusive space. And then for the customers, I've had many of them say to me, thank you so much for doing this. I didn't know we were actually welcome here. We just thought we were kind of coming in and and being because it's the only place we can be sometimes, but we actually now know you want us here. And that is such a powerful statement developing those relationships, looking at that programming that we can create. We did some other programming over the last year with a grant that we had. And as we were debriefing this, one of the librarians said, we work so hard to do outreach to our communities as libraries, but we forgot to do the inreach with the people that are already there. So sometimes we forget to talk to the people about what they want and what they need and what would be helpful. So what kind of programming would be helpful for you? What would you like? We created this programming. It's not exclusive to people who are housed. We want to integrate those communities and pull them together. Um, so how can we build spaces and these these um, settings where we can have all members of the community coming together and meeting each other and talking because really the solution, one of the solutions to to homelessness and all of, all of this is getting the community more involved and helping to build that understanding of what people face.
A more technical question, how should librarians respond to a patron who may be experiencing a mental illness episode? Great question. There is some training out there, the mental health first aid training. Uh, there's training for adults and youth focus, and that provides some insight into how to approach this. I think the reason we come up with this question is because it can appear really scary. The unknown is frightening. And so not knowing how to handle uh, someone um, or a situation where someone is, is having some mental health stuff going on creates fear. And that's, that's why we, we often talk about this question. I think, too, it's really important to separate these issues, too. I mean, there are people who are, are unhoused and experiencing homelessness, but then there are also these intersections and, and intersecting identities. And then there might be someone who's experiencing a mental health situation that is housed, not specific to people who who are unhoused, and as well as substance use crises and and issues and things like that. I think it's really easy for us to try to lump homelessness, mental health, and and substance use into a category, but really these, again, are intersecting identities. So back to your question about how to support someone who's experiencing a mental health crisis or, or situation is really remaining calm, staying grounded, deep breaths, because what can happen in, in our, our fear response gets triggered, and then we go into fight flight, and then both people are in fight flight, and that, you know, that doesn't help. So help regulate our own system. Oftentimes that helps a person uh, start to regulate their own because our bodies do this mirroring effect. And if someone is saying, you know, saying things that might not make sense in your your reality, that's okay. Don't argue with it. Just, just you don't have to agree, but just acknowledge and, and say, well, I hope you have a nice day. Or, hey, can I help you find a book that you might want to read? And oftentimes that just shifts the conversation. If someone is um, having suicidal or homicidal thoughts, that's when it's important to get authorities involved Involved and call 911 is, is we want to make sure those, that person is safe and other people are safe. In Colorado, we have a crisis line that's really helpful. That's 24-7. People can call, text, or get online and chat. Thank you very much, Alyssa. That was a lot of great information. Did you have any further tips you wanted to share with our listeners? As libraries are looking at um, how to find these resources to help support their, their libraries as well as their communities, remembering that we now have many library social workers and we are all willing to help support them. Uh, just reach out and uh, we will answer your questions. We can help provide training, webinars. We want to make sure that as you're looking at resources on how to how to approach these subjects that you are going to some subject experts. We want to talk to librarians. We want to work, talk to social workers who are actually working in libraries. And we're here to help and support. Thanks again to Alyssa Hardy, who is a licensed clinical social worker and the community resource manager at the Denver Public Library. Thanks again to our sponsor, Unique Management Services, offering inbound phone and chat coverage to help libraries deliver outstanding virtual service to patrons. Sign up for your no-risk live chat trial today at uniquelibrary.com. That's uniquelibrary.com. Unique Patron Service Solutions. Virtual service solved. Listeners, be sure to check out www.publiclibrariesonline.org to hear more FYI episodes.